Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. Forgiving what you can't forget. Discover how to move on, make peace with painful memories, and create a life that's beautiful again. It's the latest book from number one New York Times bestselling author, Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for making time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, based on that title, Forgiving What You Can't Forget and How to Move On and Make Peace, and I mean, oh my gosh, who does not want to read this? (laughs) I think that hits on all cylinders. But yet, this is also a follow-up book to your million seller, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. For those that may have missed that book, can you connect the dots on the two? Absolutely. So in It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, uh, it was really important for me to help people understand what to do with the disappointments in life. How do we regain our bearings when we feel like life is turned upside down, the unexpected happens? And You know, my story was one where I was experiencing infidelity and addictions that my husband was struggling with, but it really, the book has reached out and touched people whenever they have something that happens to them where they say, it's not supposed to be this way. How do they handle those shattering disappointments and, and, you know, what do they do with it? And then the forgiveness book, and when I set out to write Forgiving, what you can't forget. Honestly, I wrote this message because I desperately needed it. It was something that um, I was struggling. I hit a place in my healing, and I just felt like I couldn't quite move forward. And um, I wanted to discover a life that was beautiful again, but I felt like so much damage had been done. Is that even possible? And I, I guess I started to get to this place where I just thought, is it really possible to move on after you've been hurt? so much. So I I wrote this book because I needed it, and I, I wanted to deal with my own resistance to forgiveness. Well, and there's many themes that I want to hit on in the time that we have, and I'm intrigued by this uh, thought that forgiveness is more satisfying than revenge. Help me understand that one. That's beautiful. Well, yeah, I know when people are going through a hard time, revenge feels like it will be deeply satisfying. And maybe in in the short term, it feels like finally the scales of justice are righted. But in the long term, having that that revenge and that desire for the other person to suffer inside of us, when that when hurt sits too long unattended in the human heart, it turns into hate and it slowly turns us into someone we don't want to be. And so I say that revenge is allowing the person that hurt us to hurt us twice. Mm. First, they hurt us when the incident happened, but second, they're hurting us when we turn into somebody that we never intended to be. And I just say your heart is too beautiful for bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and revenge to be sitting in there and and slowly eating away at you. So we want to embrace the power of forgiveness and that you also talk about bitterness being a blessing? 
Yeah, I know when people read that, they're like, wait, what? Because I think we've been sort of shamed for our bitterness for a very long time. And certainly I'm not making a case that bitterness is a good thing. But the blessing of bitterness is that it reveals something about our heart that is beautiful. Bitterness doesn't often visit the cold-hearted, hard-hearted person. Bitterness usually visits the person who has a tender heart, and they dared to love deep, so they got hurt very deeply. And in that space where loss happened, bitterness moves in. And at first, holding on to these resentments and bitterness can kind of feel like it's protecting us from getting hurt again. But bitterness doesn't just want to be a feeling in our heart. It wants to be our only feeling, and then it wants to leak out and affect every other person that we dare to get close to. Well, what about this, the idea that we're supposed to forgive people, but they don't know how much they've hurt me, and they don't understand the impact, and then they never even apologized. How am I supposed to deal with that? Well, that's the norm, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I think most of the time when we're carrying hard feelings and, and maybe where bitterness and resentment has gotten in, it's because the other person has refused to acknowledge that what they did was wrong and they haven't said they're sorry. And that's usually when unforgiveness starts to become a, a situation in our life. And so what I've learned is if I always wait for the choices of another person, choices that I have no say-so over, if I'm waiting for them to choose to say they're sorry, then really I'm attaching my ability to heal to choices that I can't make myself. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was important to detach my ability to heal from that person that hurt me. They already hurt me. Now I don't want them to hijack my healing. So I cannot wait for them to make choices before I make choices. And so I kind of just drove a stake in the ground. I detached my ability to heal from them, and I declared I deserve to stop suffering because of what other people have done to me, and I'm going to take this step of forgiveness for myself. And then forgiveness became not so much an unfair gift I had to give to the person who hurt me, but forgiveness really became God's recipe for the hurting heart to be able to heal. And I started to understand what forgiveness really is. It flows from God to me. I just must cooperate with it and let it flow through me. Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. It reminds me there was a time that I had an opportunity to speak to Eva Kaur, and she was um, a, a, a pair of twins that Joseph Mengele worked on uh, in, in the atrocities of the Second World War. And the message is that uh, she has about forgiveness and how much power there really is for a survivor to offer up that forgiveness. There were so many people that were against her forgiving Dr. Mengele, and yet that was the message, the power of forgiveness. Yes, and, and I love that you're saying the power of forgiveness, because there is power in forgiveness. Think about it. Jesus gave his very life for the forgiveness of our sins. So in, in forgiveness, you know, when Jesus' act on the cross is what defeated the enemy. So we have to know forgiveness is so powerful. And the greatest tactic that the enemy uses against us is to make forgiveness feel like this cool, heavy, hard thing that we have to do. But what Jesus demonstrated is 
it is the way for someone who has been hurt to reclaim the power to see, to step forward into healing. And there is beautiful power in it and power for good. Forgiveness really is the only step toward anything good at that point. Mm, mm, amen. Well, there's one word that my wife Cheryl and I use a lot, and it's uh, boundaries and the idea of setting up those boundaries. And I think that ties in with things you talk about in the book about um, forgiving someone and then deciding to not have them in their life. That's a good thing, right? Right. Well, I think sometimes we feel like boundaries are an act of unforgiveness, and that's not true. We can completely forgive a person, but when the Bible says for us to forgive, it does not say that then we have to make reconciliation immediately possible. It says as long as it is possible, as far as it depends on you, what is possible within your control, live at peace. But sometimes the best way to live at peace is to create enough emotional distance between you and another person who refuses to make healthy choices. You have to create some emotional distance there so that you can stay sane and healthy. And I even think when Jesus says, forgive 70 times 7, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, keep being abused by people. That's actually a good thing. That's not what Jesus was saying. I think Jesus was instructing us Put some boundaries in place. Create some emotional distance from that person. So if you have to forgive them over and over and over, you won't be emotionally devastated in the process. Mm, Yes, yes. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, a lesson that you talk about from your counselor. When your reaction is hysterical, it's historical? (laughs) Yes. Now, I don't mean hysterical as in ha-ha laughing. Hysterical as in when too much emotion is brought into a situation when there's an overreaction. And the reason that my counselor was addressing this is because I kept experiencing this. I would experience some small offense, and it would set me into a tailspin of emotion, and I couldn't understand why am I constantly overreacting. And he said to me, Lisa, when it's hysterical, it's historical. When you have an overreaction, a hysterical reaction, it's pointing to the fact that there is unhealed pain in your history. So, so much a part of moving forward is also looking back and finding those places in our past that went unhealed, addressing those so that we don't pull the pain of our past into our present hurt. Looking over the chapter titles, uh, there's one that kind of stands out called Forgiving God. Does God need to be forgiven? (laughs) I know. When people see that, I think they're like, wait, what? Is this biblical? (laughs) So I'm not saying that we forgive God because God has sinned. God has not sinned. God has not done anything wrong. But I think it's hard for our human minds to reconcile how could a good God know what was happening and do nothing about it. And I think what that points at in my life is I'm making an assumption that God was doing nothing when I very much know we don't serve a do-nothing God. God is always doing something, but we can feel betrayed when he feel like God hasn't stepped in to rescue us, or God saw what was about to hit us and he didn't prevent it. And So the betrayal that we can sometimes feel around why didn't God act like I think he should have acted 
that's what I deal with in that chapter inside my book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And I think it's probably one of the most important chapters. Mm, mm. Well, I always want to be respectful of the time. Um, Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to bring up that we hadn't gotten around to? No, I think that's great. The only last thing I'll say is sometimes when you're walking through forgiveness, hurt feelings don't want to cooperate with holy instructions. Mm. And so in my book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, in the very end of it, I included a big section, a resource section, to help people understand what the Bible actually says and does not say about forgiveness. And I really spent so much time, over a thousand hours, going through all the verses in the Bible that I felt like would be so important for people to have access to, but also to better understand. So I see this not just as a book to read, but a resource to return to and to sit with anytime we experience pain in life. 